Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Ashley Jordan and Dr. Emma Damas, who are residents at Geisinger Health System in Danville, Pennsylvania. Ashley is a third-year resident. She is originally from Boston, Massachusetts. She completed college at Flagler College and Fashion Institute of Technology and a post back at the Harvard University Extension School. She then completed medical school at the American University of the Caribbean. Her academic interests include aesthetics and reconstructive surgery. Emma is a second-year resident. She is originally from Hershey, Pennsylvania. She completed college at Juniata College and medical school at Penn State. Her academic interests include hand and general plastic surgery. Ashley, Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. So I'd love to start by hearing a broad overview about the structure of your program at Geisinger. All right, I can take this. So hi, everyone. I'm Emma. So our program is a total of six years, like most integrated plastics programs. And I do think we do a lot of plastics actually within our first three years. So in our first year, we do a total of three months of plastics. Second year, we do four months of plastics and one month of hand. And then third year, we do one month of oculoplastics, two months of hand, and five months of plastics. So then with all three of those years, it'd be a total of 16 months of plastics. And then between our first, second, and third year for general surgery, then two as well, we do five months of gen surge in our first year, five months in our second year, and three months in our third year. So that's only a total of about 13 months. And we do multiple other subspecialties during that time as well, including a month of derm, we do a month of emergency medicine, a month of anesthesia, a month of neurosurgery, and a month of orthopedics, just to name a few then as well. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastic services? Overall, experiences are very good, especially when we think for most plastics programs, it's a lot of our time on general surgery, what that's like. And so our general surgery program is an incredibly benign program. When we do take call, it's only on the weekend. They have a night float team specifically, and so we are not part of their night float during the week. And so when we do take call, it's two weekends a month whenever we're on our gen surge rotation. And when we're not on gen surge, we do not take gen surge call. I think that's really important to highlight is we only do our gen surge call when we're actually on general surgery. Also, when we're on those rotations, while they really do get us involved and we learn what we need to learn for those rotations, they also view us as extra as well. So it's not like they are relying on us in order to get everything done and that we really do, for the most part, follow the 80-hour work week rules that I know a lot of general surgery programs tend to have a hard time with. And so I've overall had a good experience with our general surgery and our off-service rotations. They do an incredible job of welcoming us. All the attendings are very friendly, really, for the most part. And it's overall very good team dynamic. And what are some of the different sites that you rotate through? So for plastic surgery specifically, we have our main hospital here in Danville. You'll spend 80 plus percent of your time here in Danville. And then we have another hospital that we refer to as GWV in Wilkes-Barre, which is about 45 minutes, maybe an hour away. 
it's important to note that when we're either here in Danville or when you're up at GWV and taking call, you're only taking call at one of those hospitals. You're never taking call at both and being concerned of having to drive the 45 minutes plus back and forth in order to take calls. So those are our two main hospitals that we work at. And then we do not have a VA. And then also we have a children's hospital that's attached to the Danville Hospital, where we'll get most of our peds experience from during our rotations in Danville. GWV, the hospital in Wilkes-Barre, does not have a children's hospital specifically. So we'll do all of our peds here in Danville. And then the only other off-site rotation we do is Lehigh Valley, and that's for burns because we do not have a burn unit here in Danville. What's the difference between the types of cases you're seeing at GWV versus your main Danville hospital? So here in Danville, we have three plastic surgeons. Of the three plastic surgeons, one is craniofacial trained, one with a pediatrics fellowship, and then our third is general plastic surgery, but he honestly has the skills and capabilities of doing really just about anything, and he does do microsurgery as well. And then up at GWV, we have two plastic surgeons and a hand surgeon for three total surgeons that we follow up there. The one is also general plastic surgery. One of the plastic surgeons is then also microfellowship trained then too as well. So we see really honestly a very broad range of cases. I was thinking about it even today. I just finished two months of plastics here in Danville. We did cleft lips, cleft palates. We had aesthetics. I did breast augmentations, mastopexies, abdominoplasties, and then even to head and neck reconstruction, leg reconstruction, microsurgery, even just in really the two months here. So we really do see a really broad range of everything in plastics really here. And we get it pretty equally too between the two campuses as well. So is it less of like you have a specific month where you're craniofacial focused or a month where you're breast focused and it's kind of like within your time on service, you could be doing a little bit of everything? Correct. I guess that's something I haven't really thought of too much while I'm here that other programs, I guess, really do have. When you're here, especially now, since it's pretty early in the program, you spend a lot of time with the different surgeons and really just whatever cases they have. It may have been more unique with COVID and everything this year, but for the last two months, I've only been in clinic three days. And so really it's just whichever surgeon was in the OR, that's the OR I was going to that day. And so right now we don't have it split up that way. And even in the future, I wouldn't say necessarily we would split it up between different subspecialty within plastics. We just may go to a more apprenticeship type model. So then some of our attendings... Like Dr. Devitt, he doesn't necessarily do pediatrics, really. And so if we were with him, then we probably wouldn't see peds as much with him that month. But all of our attendings here and even up at GWV as well really see a little bit of everything every day. And you mentioned it is a young program. Can you explain a little bit more about like the history of your program? Our residency program started three years ago. That being said, our attendings for many years prior to that had been teaching the temple residents. So the temple residents would come and rotate with them because they just really enjoyed teaching. And like we said, our caseload is very large. But the department kind of decided to, you know, we have every residency here basically except for plastic surgery. And they really were, you know, excited to start a residency program here. It started three years ago and I'm their first resident. We joke that I'm chief resident for life. 
And it's been great. I mean, going through as the first resident, I kind of joke sometimes and say I'm the guinea pig, but you have to be able to go with the flow and things change. And it's a very fluid conversation back and forth with the attendings and just giving a lot of feedback. But with that being said, all the attendings, the PAs, everyone, I mean, I can't say anything negative about the program at all. Like it's been a great experience. I do not regret coming here as the first resident at all. It's probably one of the best life decisions I made for myself. So yeah, we're young, but we're the best. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely love to hear more about, you know, how you've been able to help shape the program, but we can get into that more a little later. So there are no independent residents at your site. Do the temple residents still come through or do they not rotate through anymore since you now have your own program? Now that I'm a third year, they don't come any longer. Got it. Okay. And are there any fellows at either site? Nope. Yeah, we don't have any fellows, but then also just important to note that there aren't any plans at all to get fellows in the future as well. And what's call like when you're on plastic surgery? So plastic surgery call, we're in a pool with the PAs and rotating residents. So how often you're on call kind of depends on how many residents are on call that specific month. In Danville, which is our main hospital, there's a total of four PAs and the resident. So it's not like you're on call Q2 or anything like that. It's more like I would say a Q4. We get assigned one weekend call a month and we're paired up with an attending. So if we have patients in-house, then we just decide what time to meet in the morning. We round and then we go home. The remainder of the call is home call. So if a consult comes in, you just drive, see it, and then call your attending, present the patient and your plan. And if it's something emergent or something that needs to go to the OR immediately, then the attending will come in. We have a really great relationship with the ER, so they don't call us for things that they can repair themselves. They'll typically call us for kids, complex lack repairs, and things that are appropriate. In terms of facial call, we take facial call for one week a month. The three other weeks, either OMFS or ENT are on call, and we do not take a dedicated hand call as of right now. When we're on our ortho rotation, we ask that they call us if a hand consult or hand things come in. One of our chairman's goal is to hire a plastic surgery hand surgeon with the goal to hopefully split hand call with ortho. Did you say that one of the GMV surgeons is a plastics hand? He's actually part of the orthopedics department, but he's also part of our core faculty. He actually went through general surgery and then did a hand fellowship. So that was his route into hand. But we do spend a lot of time with him. Got it. So you'll do hand surgery with him, but not necessarily take hand call there either. Correct. And for him up at GWV, he takes call essentially during the day. And then the trauma docs up there are the ones who then handle any sort of hand stuff that would need to go immediately to the OR that night. Otherwise, he usually takes care of everything then the next day then too as well. So we do take call when we're up there with him, but it's just, it's probably not quite the same as a traditional hand call of having to go into the ED in the middle of the night for a lack or anything like that. Do you have the opportunity to do like replants? Right now, no. That's actually one thing that we're trying to figure out since we do need replant numbers in order for our graduation. And so between GWV and at GMC, we aren't a replant center. And so that's actually one thing that Dr. Kaufman and Dr. DeSantis are working on of trying to figure out how we're going to get those numbers necessarily. So that's definitely something that we've noticed that 
is a potential issue, but we're actively looking for it. And you mentioned there are about four plastics PAs that you work with. Can you tell me a little bit more about the relationship with them? Sure. At both GMC, which is the Danville Hospital, and then up in Wilkes-Barre, each attending has their own designated PA. Because our program is only three years old, they didn't have residents before us. So most of the PAs have been there for like 10 plus years, which I think says a lot about the environment and our program. The PAs are very educated. They have great skills. So we learn a lot from them. In the cases, though, the PAs do know that the resident is the expected first assist, but they help a great deal with discharges, instructions, patient questions. We have a really good relationship with them. They're like extensions of us, or I guess we're extensions of them. It's really like beneficial on how much PA support we get in the program. Is there going to be an opportunity for you to kind of like choose your own elective months in the later years, either within your institution or like traveling somewhere? We have already decided that we'll definitely be allotted an elective month, likely in our fifth year in whatever specialty we're kind of thinking if we want to do a fellowship or just something that we might want to get more experience in. In terms of global rotations and trips, during my first year, I did go on a mission trip to Columbia with Healing the Children. I set that up myself, but all the attendings were very supportive. Most of the attendings have done mission trips in the past. Our program director, Dr. DeSantis, he used to go to China every year as a mission trip, but they haven't gone in several years. He, as well as our chairman, Dr. Kaufman, both have said they plan on incorporating more mission trips. I personally know I would like to do a cleft lip, cleft palate mission trip, but I want to have my cleft skills a little more solidified so that I can really be able to help and make a difference. Where and when are you getting your cosmetic experience? We get some cosmetic experience, but I wouldn't say a ton. We've already kind of flagged that amongst the department as an area where we need to keep an eye on. That being said, we'll be doing a month with a private practice plastic surgeon to get more experience with aesthetic cases. And I personally have a strong interest in aesthetic surgery, so I plan to use my elective month to increase my exposure to cosmetic and aesthetics. We do have a cosmetic clinic that will be starting mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, Dr. Devitt, one of our attendings, he came from UT Southwestern. He came in with the idea, as well as some of the other attendings too, about starting a resident cosmetic clinic. And so this clinic is going to start in our fifth year, just about a year, Ashley will have her own clinic of her own consultations for aesthetic patients. They're going to be her patients. She's going to work them up and then discuss and find an attending in order to actually book them under. So these patients are receiving aesthetic surgery at a reduced cost just because there's not the physician fee with it. And so it's going to be her case, her patient. The attending is going to be there in order to supervise, but then either the attending or any available resident would be there then to assist her then too as well. And so not only does this help us gain our aesthetic experiences, but it's really going to help us with our autonomy and then just become independent surgeons and really afterwards as well. In, you know, the work you've done so far, how do you feel like they've been addressing resident autonomy? I think it's been great. So an incredible strength of this program is that even though it's a small program, obviously there's only three of us, soon four of us, we have six attendings we can really work with at all times within our department necessarily with three here and three at GWV, but we almost always have at least one, if not two, even sometimes three residents on off-service. So very rarely 
essentially never at this point, but even in the future, rarely are we going to have more than one resident on the service at a time. And so you're always first assisting. At this point, even as a second year, I feel like even for some of our breast reduction cases, I can do a whole side with the attending doing the other. Once they trust you and know what you're capable of and where your skills are at, they really know how to work with you and work with your strengths and allow you to really to learn. And so it's been an incredible experience working with them. Just because we have the relationship, they get to know us very well because it is such a small program. And so just being able to first assist really right off the bat. I know obviously our intern Lauren isn't here right now, but she could also really say that most, if not all of her cases, she first assisted as an intern, which is pretty incredible. And do you get any experience with gender affirmation surgery? Yeah, so we do a lot of top surgery. We don't have like a dedicated team right now to support doing bottom surgery like some of the other institutions. If we do decide or if, you know, we have a strong interest in seeing bottom surgery, our program is very flexible and I'm sure they would make it happen likely by visiting another institution. But we have seen that our top surgery number is just growing very fast. Yeah, and actually one thing that Dr. DeSantis has actually mentioned is that also we don't know if it's necessarily even the culture around here as well. So for as many top surgeries as we've done, a lot of the patients aren't interested in bottom surgery too. So I don't think we've even come across too many even opportunities that are missed really. It's really a lot of primarily top surgery. And what are the research expectations and opportunities like? We're all expected to do research. We're under the Surgical Institute like umbrella and they would like three manuscripts published prior to graduation, but there are very few plastic surgery journals and getting published in them is not easy and our attendings understand that. So we're going to aim for three, but if we don't get there, as long as we made a legit effort, I don't think it's going to hold us back from graduating or anything. We're just all, you know, actively working on projects and doing presentations and trying to submit manuscripts. Are there any opportunities for institutional support? So things like either funding or stats help or med student help, stuff like that. We have help with stats. And then the other thing I forgot to mention was during your fourth year, we will have two months, but it will be dedicated research months. So at that point in time, what we've discussed is, you know, the project should probably already be in the works. And then that those two months will be really kind of getting the manuscript written and hopefully submitted. So we do have dedicated time for research. In terms of support, we have GME who will pay for you to go to a conference once a year. Your first year, you get around $750, and they'll also pay for you to take step three during your first year. In years two through six, you get $2,500 of CME money to help pay with conferences if you're interested to go, and that's in addition to the one that GME is already paying for. The attendings, of course, support us and want us to go to conferences and present. We haven't had any issue of anything not being covered. I'm sure they would find it in the department funds or something if, if we ran out of money somehow. But then also to go more into, since we fall under the Department of Surgery, we also fall into their available funding, then two for research as well. And so we have funding. I haven't actually heard of anyone having an issue with funding for stats or for data farming or anything like that. So for a lot of our projects, especially for our chart reviews, there's a group of people within Geisinger that do essentially the, the chart reviews for you, not necessarily going through each individual chart, but with Epic being able to get the data and then to look at that and then do the statistics, you're kind of looking more at 
final information and then seeing what you can use in order to actually then produce your project then too as well. While there are definitely a lot of research meetings in order to get there, it has been pretty impressive how much support Geisinger has for that. Are there any other kind of fun or interesting perks that you get from the institution or from your department? A bunch of different perks in all honesty. So for just kind of going through a bunch of the different ones we have is, so we get 1400 a year automatically added to our ID cards for food. You can use it at the cafeteria or for the cafe within the hospital. And that you can use that at both in Danville and in Wilkes-Barre. The department, department being plastics, pays for one pair of loops per resident during their time here. Starting as an intern, starting this year, you can get your loops immediately when you get here, which is going to be an incredible benefit for the residency program. And then during your first year at our welcome resident picnic that we have every single June, you'll get a personalized jacket, a scrub cap, and then a set of personalized fig scrubs and two as well, just to be a member of the team and to look the part of the team then too as well. And so we're really excited that we always get to give those at the beginning of every resident year. But then other special things that we do as well, we do have a micro lab two times a year. This is done in the OR. We have usually some sort of rep come down, but then also we have two microscopes that all the residents can really work under. And then we have our micro trained surgeons and then even just the other surgeons and two as well who routinely do micro really take us through different skills. We have a cadaver lab twice a year that we work with general surgery in order to dissect either different parts of the different extremities or doing different flaps or doing different head and neck recons. And so just because those tend to be the areas that general surgery don't take on the cadaver then too as well. So we take full advantage of that. We do a plastic surgery boot camp every year. When I was an intern, I went out to San Diego that was covered. Um, unfortunately, obviously this past year with COVID, we did a different type of boot camp for Lauren this past year. We did an in-house boot camp, but that's an entire day of really Lectures going over the different topics, but then also a lot of hands-on activities and too as well in order to get the intern into the flow of what plastics is to feel like as a resident, but then also just to be a resident in general then too as well. We have a cleft awareness day at Knobles that we do every single year where we have the cleft lip and cleft palate patients come to Knobles. We hang out, they get to hang out with their physicians and everyone has a good time at Knobles, which is a little amusement park very close to Danville. But it's a lot of fun. And so the kids get to just hang out for the day and probably their favorite physician in the face then too as well. And then just the other perks, a few that we've already touched base on is this resident cosmetic clinic that's coming up. But then also we do a resident injectable clinic then too as well, which we receive samples from different Botox and filler companies. And so because we receive those for free, we get to then have patients to practice these products on then too as well. And we do that four times a year. And then the other thing too is we have an indications conference. So that's every other week. And it's kind of like slowly getting us into oral board mindset. You know, in the beginning, the first few times you do it, it's a little basic and then they'll build it up so that eventually when you're a fifth year or sixth year, it'll be a real oral board type of setting and just to get us in the groove. Do you present the case and then they ask you questions about it? Or how do they make it like oral boards? So we have it on a Friday and it's the cases for the upcoming two weeks. 
So it can be any of the cases, any of the attendings are doing. They put up a picture or a few pictures of the patient and give a one-liner, and then you have to go through preoperative evaluation, what operation you do, and what choices essentially you'll make. And I mean, usually by the time you say about what you're going to do, they have some sort of question of what you're actually doing. And so it's really then just working with them and figuring out the appropriate treatment and then giving the appropriate explanation then. In what area of plastic surgery would you say you will likely come out with the strongest experience upon graduation? We do a lot of breast surgery, so lots of breast reductions, breast reconstruction. We also do a lot of paniculectomies. And I'd say we have a high, very high cleft lip and cleft palate numbers as well. So we have a very busy cleft clinic. Yeah, between that and then I think just for all of us leaving this program, I think one of its biggest perks is that we will leave here feeling comfortable and feeling confident in order, especially with the basics. Just because like I had said before, I mean, even during our first and our second years, we're getting our hands on everything and we're really involved. And so I think that really just the overall, just general plastic surgery and just feeling like to be a competent plastic surgeon is what we're all hoping. But realistically, I do believe that we will be able to achieve very easily leaving leaving this program. What has been like your micro experience so far? Because I know at a lot of programs, residents really start to get to do more in terms of micro, more so starting in their later years. So, so far, I can at least speak for myself. I've probably gotten under the microscope probably six, seven times. And so I'm cleaning off vessels with the attending. I haven't done any of the actual anastomosis yet. I mean, I that's like the highest thing you can do. So that's <laughs> totally okay that I haven't done that yet. But yeah, no, our attendings really do encourage us to get our hands on. And so the last probably three, three or four cases, I've been cleaning off vessels with the attending, which has been great. I'm a third year now, so I've done the venous coupler, of course, cleaned off the vessels. I do think that they want us to be very comfortable under the microscope early. So I feel like because we're a small program, we probably get to do things more quickly than other programs. So, you know, every time we have a deep or anything, they always, oh, Ashley, go under the microscope with Dr. Coffin and get things ready, or we definitely get a good experience. Yep. And the micro volume, how's that? We do a lot of deeps. Yeah. I'm trying to think actually how often. Between the two sites, especially at GWV, they do at least one deep a month. Probably between the two sites, we're doing some sort of micro case, one a week to one every two weeks between the two sites for sure. How would you improve your program? The quick answer is at this point, there's nothing I really would necessarily improve right this time, but that's because, so because this is a new program, all of our attendings here, they all agreed that they wanted a residency. And so they were willing to take on, especially early new residents when before, I mean, they had the fellows from Temple coming in. So even though, yeah, they're new in plastic surgery, they they still had five plus years of general surgery behind them. And so even with that hurdle, then every single year, there are different things that we say, oh, this could be better. And so Dr. DeSantis's goal is for this to be the best residency program, honestly, in the country, especially <laughs> for an education standpoint. He is so enthusiastic and he listens so well to when we say we have things that we want to change. Just for example, when we do anesthesia during our intern year, 
between Ashley and I, we said, hey, Dr. DeSantis, this really wasn't really the greatest experience. You know, what could we do differently? And so Lauren is actually going to be doing anesthesia in June during the boot camp that the anesthesia residents do. And so we already made that change. And so we said, like, hey, Dr. DeSantis, neurosurgery was only so-so here. It's not very hands-on. What could we do? And he said, okay, let's change it. We'll do two weeks here in Danville and two weeks up in Wilkes-Barre. And so that change already went in for Lauren then too as well. And so also for facial trauma, we have a residency program that we as training plastic surgeons, we need to learn how to not only take care of soft tissue facial trauma, we need to do bony facial trauma then too as well. And prior to us coming here, they only did soft tissue facial trauma call. And so even Dr. DeSantis, after 30 years of practicing and not having to take bony facial trauma call, he's willing to take on more call because his residents need it in order to become better surgeons. And so when we want something and we need something to be improved, because I mean, just the nature of our attendings, because they listen so well, but just also the nature of the program, because it's so new, no one's necessarily set in a way then too as well. And so it's an incredibly fluid program. I mean, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I mean, if you like your structure and you like things not changing, then you really probably wouldn't necessarily do well here. But I think it says a lot about our program when we say these things could be better and our attendings say, okay, and the change actually gets made. We've been incredibly happy with the changes that have been made. You went into a bit of kind of like the leadership style of your chief. Could you share a little bit also about your PD? Dr. DeSantis is our program director. If I had to describe him in one word, I would just say amazing. I joke and call him my work dad because he really cares about us like his children. He's at work by 5 a.m. and he's often the last to leave. His door is always open. You can literally talk to him about anything. He's extremely dedicated and organized. It's really inspiring. I personally, as the chief resident, meet with him once a month, and he meets with the other residents every other month just to get a sense of how things are going, if there are any issues that we may be facing, whether in our work life or personal life. He's just really always there. He's such an asset to our program. Like, I feel so lucky to have him as our program director. He's great. And then our chairman, that's Dr. Kaufman. He was an attending here for several years and then a little over a year ago became the chairman. He's brought some fresh ideas to the department. He's always willing to listen as well. If we have a problem, he wants to know about it and he preferably likes you to, you know, have thought about it and think of a resolution. And he's great too. He's a young chairman, so he's very enthusiastic. Is he chairman of plastic surgery or chairman of the Department of Surgery? He's chairman of plastic surgery. Then we have Dr. Shabahang. He is the chairman of the Surgical Institute, and he's also the program director of the general surgery program. He's also amazing, too. And what kind of role have you been able to play in department decision making for things like picking a new resident or like faculty changes? In terms of residency, the three of us this year interviewed all the applicants and, you know, we came up with like our own pseudo rank list, gave that to the attendings and then they took that. They ultimately do the ranking, but they of course take our input and value that. And then in terms of hiring other staff, we are actively trying to increase the number of plastic surgeons. So 
we usually are the ones who give the tour of the hospital. So we get to meet the prospective attendings that are interviewing here. And then we usually also have like a lunch with them. The PAs and the residents will have a, a lunch with whoever the attending is that's interviewing. And how would you say your program helps promote like diversity and inclusion or helps you develop into culturally competent residents? I think one of our strongest assets regarding just promoting diversity and inclusion is something that arguably happened by accident just because of the match, but it's just how it honestly worked out. But the fact that we at this point have an all-female residency, we really don't see that at all in surgical subspecialties. <laughs> Actually, I would have to look around. I don't even know if there's any program that has that. And so that in itself has actually been a very interesting dynamic just to really work with. I mean, we work really well together, but that's probably one of the best things about our program is obviously we would welcome any sort of male residents in the program (laughs) or whatnot, but that's kind of how things have unfolded at this time. And it's been interesting, but it's, it's been great though, too, as well. Tell me about like the camaraderie amongst the residents. I mean, obviously, at the very beginning of the year, we always have a resident welcome picnic. We actually, Lauren, our intern, has already met with and hung out with our incoming new intern then too as well and helped her. They went on a hike outside the hospital and then just discussed about housing options and everything like that here. So even already before even the interns are here, like we try and get them involved in the family, really. But even outside of the hospital, we hang out different birthday parties with Cassie's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And then Lauren's husband and my husband hang out a lot then too as well. So my husband is an orthopedic resident, but Lauren's husband is a entrepreneur, a business owner. And so he's not necessarily really in the medical field at all, but it's hard to also find non-medical people around Geisinger though too as well. But they hang out a lot hiking and fishing like I mean they they do everything together but actually even coming up Lauren and her husband and myself and my husband are actually going on vacation together so we really all get along very well it's really easy when we all do get along so well so besides being female what are some other qualities of residents who would fit well in the program you don't have to be female (laughs) we rank the guys too but the mass just doesn't like us getting a a male I guess (laughs) I guess just someone who's hardworking, easy to talk to. The three of us, like, honestly have very different personalities, but, and hobbies, but like, it works. Like, I'm very, very outgoing. Oh, yeah. I think Lauren's pretty outgoing. (laughs) Emma's the quietest of the group, but we, we bring out the outgoingness of her. But yeah, I guess just someone who's hardworking, easy to talk to, you know, you want someone that at three in the morning, when you have to come in to do a lack, you know, you're going to want to work with and enjoy working with. But there's no real special things that we require. I mean, even uh, working off of that, just for someone who not only fits well with the program, it really is important to fit well with Danville, really. I mean, I grew up in Hershey. There's a huge medical center in Hershey, so it's actually very similar. But then Danville took it to a whole new level. It's even a smaller town with just as big of a medical center in it. And so, I mean, it's someone who who would work well in Danville. So Danville is like a super cute, small, incredibly safe town with all these different outdoor activities. Um, There's a bunch of different state parks nearby. You can go camping and hiking and fishing. And so the type of person though who would also though fit well with this program would be someone who is okay with having a lot of the outdoor activities, with having the small town feel. 
because with the small town feel, you get to know everyone really around you and you get to really know the different people in the different departments, but then even in town and the different uh, restaurant owners and things like that. And so you don't have the nightlife here that you have in other cities or if there is even a lot of that nightlife still anymore with COVID right now. But it is, it's a small, very safe town, which I think is an incredible benefit, but it is definitely something that you need to take into consideration when looking at programs because it is a very small town and it's not a city. Do you guys own or rent? I think our incoming intern is renting for a year and then she's planning on buying, but all three of us have bought. Actually, the mortgages, at least for Lauren's and mine, I think our mortgages are cheaper than most of the rent that would be in Danville. And so it's absolutely possible to own a house in Danville. Lauren lives probably five minutes from the hospital. I live about driving distance seven. Both of us ride our bikes when the weather's appropriate. I live around 20 minutes outside. I would recommend the first year to rent just because you can really kind of get a sense of where you actually want to live. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be right next to the hospital. If Mm -hmm. you want to be, you know, in walking distance, you can be. I live in Sealands Grove, which is around 20 minutes away from the hospital. But there's, I would say, more shops and more restaurants and things to do. And then there's like easy access for my fiance to get to his work. And he works in Hershey. So There's like many towns surrounding Danville. There's Bloomsburg and there's a college there. So really, I would recommend your first year just to rent, just to kind of feel it out. And then you're here for five additional years after that. So then it's probably the best thing to buy. But the first year, I I think it's a good idea to rent. And I guess, do you ever consider like living the other site? They provide housing for you when you're up there. So you don't have to keep commuting. That's actually a really important point. Every single time that we're up in Wilkes-Barre, they have a house. It's now a specific designated plastic surgery um, apartment that we'll have. So you don't have to be commuting back and forth the 45 minutes. And that's actually another important point that we said to Dr. DeSantis. Say, Dr. DeSantis, this housing situation up at GWV is incredibly disorganized. We barely know where we're going to stay, like what's going on. And so once we really brought that to his attention... Really, just a few weeks later, starting July 1st, we have our own apartment up there. And so it's he's just very willing to fix the problems that arguably are like taking away from our education and then really taking away from the program and fixing them. He really, really does a very good job of fixing the issues. So I think I heard two residents are married, one with a fiance. Does anyone have kids? Not yet. Not <laughs> nope. Yet. So we can't talk about maternity paternity benefits yet or if you know anything about it in our department i know there's definitely paternity leave because one of our attendings is going on it any day now as soon Mm -hmm. as she has uh, her next child you do for paternity leave i think you get 10 days and there is paternity leave and many of our pas attendings have had children are currently having children and it's just an extension of the plastic surgery family so If any of us were to decide to have children, I'm sure it would be very well received. Yeah, I think, I don't know if necessarily Laura and I are probably having any kids at all during the program, but I think if I were to want to have kids necessarily during residency, I wouldn't really think twice about it. I know that we would have the support. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't really thought about it, because we know we have the support Mm -hmm. here. 
for whatever we do need in order for whether maternity leave or just even having coverage in general. I'm not really necessarily concerned about that. And is it necessary to have a car? I'd say yes. Well, probably to go up to GWV, you would definitely need a car for that. I was saying you could arguably live close enough in Danville that you wouldn't mm-hmm. need one. But but no, you, I guess you would just because of needing to go up to GWV. You would need a car in order to get up there for the rotation itself. I mean, the apartments for GWV are actually immediately across the hospital. But then there's actually a smaller community hospital that you do sometimes do outpatient surgeries at when you're up there. So that would require a car then too as well. So I think you already mentioned some things about, you know, enjoying the small town life in Danville. Was there anything else you wanted to share about, you know, what you like about living there? So I'm a very outdoorsy person. I really like the small town feel. And so Danville is honestly a very good place for me. And so even with everything that's been going on this past year, I actually even took up cycling this past year then too as well. So even though Danville is incredibly hilly, it's just such a beautiful and peaceful just scenery in order to not necessarily relax since you're cycling. But I mean, it is just since it's so nice to just do something different and you have that capability because it is such a small town and you're not stuck in a city or anything like that. It's really easy to escape and enjoy the scenery around you. And the other thing, like, if you do want to go and do other things, New York's pretty close. Philly's pretty close. The only negative is that there's an airport that's up in Wilkes-Barre, but it's like one of those very small ones. So it's kind of difficult to fly out of it. But we're around two hours from the Newark airport, around two hours from Philly, maybe a little bit more for BWI. But if you do want to go somewhere, like, it's accessible. If you want to go to New York or if you want to go you know, to the Finger Lakes or something and go on a wine tour. Like it's, everything's accessible. For me, that's why I live a little bit outside of Danville, just so that there are more restaurants and like shops and things to do. And I'm 20 minutes out. So, you know, if you don't want to be right in Danville, which is a very, very small town, you can get a little bit more of like the suburb feel by just being 15 minutes outside of it. I think also one of the good things that I love The town next to us is Bloomsburg, and they have, like, a big fair every year. It's, like, this big, huge thing, and actually, the kids in Bloomsburg get that week off from school. It's, like, that big of a deal. But, like, they have lots of good food, and usually, like, good artists come and sing, and you can get tickets, and they're, like, very reasonably priced. So that's always, like, a fun event that they they hold at the Bloomsburg Fair. Well, that's pretty much everything I think I wanted to cover today. Any final thoughts either about your program or about the process of choosing a residency in general? I just think that we're like a little hidden gem. Yes, we're a new program, but that has so many perks. We really get to shape and mold the program, and it's been a great experience. I mean, I'm incredibly happy here. We have attendings who really care about our education, and they do a wide range um, plastic surgery. Every attending has a PA. And so I think that's a incredible perk about the program too, just because while you have your camaraderie of the residents, you have this group of PAs who have 10 plus years experience individually that they help with pre-op, post-op, discharge instructions. They already have this flow. So you don't, doing all those things don't rely on you. So those are also usually the things that weigh you down during residency. Also, just the fact that, like Ashley said, too, it's a new program, but we have an incredibly enthusiastic group of faculty that want to teach us. 
They listen to us when we say we want things to be different. But then also even the town itself, since it's safe and it's affordable, you don't have then the other extra things that you're concerned about, like your safety or for paying different bills and things like that, that that can also weigh you down during residency too. And so I just think it's an incredible program. And Ashley really said it perfectly. It really is a hidden gem just because when I was applying for residency, I had no idea. And granted, obviously, it was the first year they were going through what you were asked, but I had no idea Geisinger had a program. I'm so happy that I found it, especially just being from central Pennsylvania and now being here. I, I don't want to be anywhere else. Do you have any like single best piece of advice for a prospective applicant, either could be during the interview process or like on an away rotation? Yeah, I would just say, you know, on the interview trail to just be yourself. Don't try to portray yourself as someone that you're not. And then my second piece of advice that I always tell the applicants is to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very difficult specialty to get into. And, you know, there's many routes into plastic surgery. You may have to do some general surgery and then change over or, you know, do all of general surgery and then take the independent route. But whatever your path is to get into plastic surgery, it's worth it. So, I mean, I always tell people if you want to take a research year, do it. But if this is what you really want and this is what you love, just, you know, find a way to make it happen. But you should have a backup plan. And then even for away rotations or all rotations is really just Truly work your butt off, but always as much as you want to work as hard as you can, it's just as important to be a good teammate. And so it's not necessarily your own individual accomplishments that you need the team to know. It's really the whole group's accomplishments that's more important than your own individual ones. And how could interested students find out more about your program? They can contact me. They can contact (laughs) Emma, Lauren. We do have a website. We get emails from med students and residents all the time. Probably one of the best things for students to do is to talk to their program directors, and their program directors tend to reach out to Dr. DeSantis or to any of the attendings, and the attendings then reach out to us then too as well. We're all very approachable and yeah. mm-hmm. would be willing to answer any other questions or help students out. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.